It was a stark contrast as I saw the juxtaposition of two things next to each other. I was walking through a field by my house and I walked by something that every other day I never would have stopped to notice. But today it was different because I saw these two overlapping worlds. Because in a field of dead grass, what I saw was this beautiful flower that came up through the ground with purple and white. It was an incredible display of these two seasons overlapping one another, the dormancy of winter and the resurrection of spring. As we're here this Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrected King and this incredible way that he has transformed your life and my life. We've been in this Easter trilogy where we've been talking about the story of humanity, your story, my story, and ultimately how Jesus came that we might believe in him. Our hope is that you would believe in Jesus this Easter. We've been telling this story in three different parts. The first part, the problem. Creator made everything. And in this good creation, he set man and woman, humanity, to make a decision if we were going to be connected to the Creator, if we were going to be Creator sufficient, or if we were going to be self-sufficient to try to go our own path and make our own way in autonomy. Every one of us has chosen to go our own path. That's why we see the fracturing of the world around us. We see war and famine and death and disease and viruses and all of that because we decided to step away from the good creator. Some of us think that maybe if we do enough good that we'll be able to bring goodness back into the world. The problem is that you and I didn't create the world and if we didn't create it, then we can't fix it. So God did what we could not do. He sent his son, creator in human form to live the perfect life. He lived a pure life before God. He didn't deserve to die. And yet what we find is that he was crucified on a Roman cross. He taught in amazing ways. He, he taught in such a way that he said, those who have ears, let them hear. What that meant is that there is a certain group of people that when they listen to Jesus, that they're actually seeking the truth. And it's those kinds of people who will be able to understand the truth of what he was saying. But there are other people who would simply ridicule him. Those people wouldn't understand his teachings. So Jesus, this incredible teacher, this man who walked the earth and we see he actually begins to restore creation through signs and wonders and miracles. He brings back into restoration the world that was broken. This creator died on Good Friday on a Roman cross. So on Good Friday, we see the death of Jesus. But on Holy Saturday, as Jesus was in a tomb, surrounded by Roman soldiers, we actually see a different story, how Jesus died for you and for me, a substitutionary atonement for our sin. What that means is we missed the mark of how God created us, and so Jesus substituted himself. He put himself in our place, took our death, and he atoned, he covered over your sin and my sin. What we see on Holy Saturday is the death of death. So Jesus, lying in a tomb on Holy Saturday, part two, the conflict. Today, part three, the resolution, or as what we might say, the resurrection. Easter morning, these women were heading to Jesus's tomb. 
You could see how they were mourning, how they were heartbroken over what had happened. They were bringing spices and perfume to the tomb of Jesus. As they were on this journey, walking on this road, they were reflecting on who Jesus was. They were asking questions like, well, I thought that Jesus was supposed to restore all things. He, he taught like nobody else. He, he was able to do signs and miracles and wonders like nobody else. How could such a thing happen that he would die? As they're reflecting, they see off in the distance the tomb. They begin to squint into the distance because the stone that was supposed to be in front of the tomb is rolled away. The Roman soldiers, they're nowhere to be seen. And so these women start to pick up their pace and hurry into see the tomb. And as they duck into to see where Jesus was, instead of seeing his body, all they see is the fine linens that they had wrapped his body in. Jesus was not there. Seconds turned to what felt like hours as they were astounded. They were perplexed, wondering how this could be, what was happening. And then all of a sudden, in a moment, this bright light, they hit the ground and in front of them, an angel appears. And he says to them, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. You have to imagine how these women would be feeling in that moment. What incredible news. They know instantly what they need to do. And so they come back and they go tell the 11, these men who had been following Jesus, imitating him, his disciples. They talk to the 11 and they tell them about what they've seen and what's happened, how the tomb was empty and how this angel gave this proclamation. And you would think that these 11 would then believe, but here's what it says. It says, that they doubted. I want to tell you today, if you're in a place where you're looking at the news of Jesus and you're doubting, you're in good company. Have you ever heard news that just seems like it's too good to be true? Like almost you can't allow yourself to believe it. It's the moment that you get pulled over and instead of getting a ticket, he lets you off with a warning. It's the time that you find out that you're cancer free or that somebody that you love, that they've been healed in a miraculous way. And there's almost a part of you that says it's too good to be true. That's this moment. You would think that the disciples would think back to Jesus's teaching, to the many times that he told them that he would die and rise again from the dead, but instead they doubt. All of a sudden, the most rambunctious of the 11 gets up and he runs to the tomb sprinting. He is there. He's always been the one to be a man of action. And as Peter ducks in to see the tomb, he sees that Jesus is no longer there. This news begins to spread. And all of a sudden, other disciples are having conversations. One day we see these two disciples of Jesus on a road walking to Emmaus. On this many mile journey, they're discussing what's happened. What is this Jesus thing all about? How could it be that Jesus rose from the dead? And so they're discussing this. It actually says they begin to debate among each other. And so you have to imagine their voices are starting to raise as they're in discussion and debate with each other about what happened that day. And all of a sudden, this stranger slips along beside them as they're in this heated discussion and debate. The stranger asks them the question, what are you talking about? 
they look at him almost like perplexed. How could it be that he wouldn't know what had happened all this time? And so they tell him, well, listen, there was this man whose name was Jesus. And we thought that Jesus was the coming Messiah. He was supposed to be the prophet that would make all things right to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. But in the midst of all of his incredible teachings, miraculous healings, in that moment when we thought that he was going to establish the kingdom, he was crucified on a Roman cross. They say, we hoped that he would establish the rule of God. We hoped that he would be the promised Messiah. And they actually look at each other for a second. These two disciples walking on this road, they give each other a knowing look and they say, even weirder, even weirder. After he died, these group of women went to his tomb and what they found is that it was empty. And an angel spoke and said that Jesus was alive, not dead. Little did they know that this stranger walking alongside of them was Jesus himself. And so the stranger begins to talk to them, to be able to say, all that you understood about who the Messiah was, can I tell you, you got a little, little wrong. And so he starts to tell them that the Messiah wasn't supposed to come to set up an earthly kingdom. The Messiah was to come to set up a spiritual kingdom. He was to come and set up a different kind of people, a people that would orient themselves not around power and might of a physical kingdom here on earth, but a spiritual kingdom. He began to talk to them and tell them that this new Messiah was actually to live in a different kind of way. That instead of a power and might, instead of it being a kingdom of more, more authority, more pleasure, more desire, he says this was a kingdom that was spiritual. This was a kingdom that the last would be first and the first would be last. This was a kingdom where the people who would be humbled before God would be exalted. This was a different kind of kingdom. Don't you understand, he would have told them. As they continue on this journey, eventually the stranger uh, decides that he's going to go off on his own, but they end up inviting them over to their house. In a moment, the stranger and them break bread. And it's in the breaking of bread that they realize that their spiritual eyes are open and they see that Jesus was there the whole time. He was there the whole time. It's incredible, this story. This, this incredible narrative where we see that Jesus appeared before these disciples and gave clarity to what the spiritual kingdom would look like, that this good news, the gospel that we see all throughout the Old Testament scriptures that were prophesied, that this gospel would come true in Jesus and that his kingdom was one of goodness and hope and peace rather than one that would simply overthrow the Roman rule. And now you and I have this opportunity to live in this new kingdom, but can and I tell you that this new kingdom is not a kingdom of this world. That just like we saw the stark contrast, the juxtaposition of the winter dormancy overcome by spring resurrection, that we are living in a world that is broken while also having the opportunity to live in a spiritual kingdom. You see, you and I, we're living in a different kind of time right now where we're experiencing grief in a new way. 
As we're looking at the coronavirus and different things happening throughout our world, many of us are grieving different things that we're wondering, where is God in all of this? That, that maybe for some of us today, we're angry. If we're gonna be honest, we're gonna say, I'm, I'm angry with God. You know, I was planning on going to my prom. This was my senior year of high school. This was my moment to be able to experience all of what that would look like. And we get angry at God. Some of us, we wanna be able to spend time with our parents, but over this season, we haven't been able to see them and we're worried, wondering if they're going to get sick. Others of us, we're kind of in a darker place where because we're not around people that we love and enjoy and we don't have the support system that it's almost like we're slipping into a bit of a depression and we're not really sure how to get ourselves out of that anxiety and the overwhelming cloud that just feels like it's over our head every moment of the day. Others of us were kind of feeling like we're going to bargain with God. Man, God, if, if I could, you know, do this, if I would tithe to you, can you maybe keep my family safe? Or if I would be able to, you know, say that I'm going to go to church, would you do this for me? And so we're in so many different situations financially and physically and emotionally that we're experiencing the grief of this world. But could it be that in this very moment that we realize that Jesus's kingdom was not of this world, that he offers spiritual life, that we see in a dark world the resurrection power of Jesus? Could it be that there is hope when we put our faith in Jesus? You see, faith is never really faith unless it's trust in difficult times. Anyone can trust and have faith when things are easy, but when things are difficult, that's when it really takes us to take a second, take a step back and say, I'm choosing to, to, to put my trust in God right now in the difficult time because I believe in a spiritual resurrection. Whatever you're experiencing right now, whatever part of the journey you're on, I want to let you know that Jesus died for you. But can we be honest for a second? I think every one of us can find ourselves somewhere in this narrative. I think every one of us has struggles with faith that today we have the choice to choose faith. Some of us, we can relate with the 11 disciples that when the women come back and tell them this incredible story, that you've just heard the story, maybe three parts, maybe this is the first part that you've been able to tune into, but you're hearing this story and maybe you're experiencing doubt. You're wondering, was Jesus who he said he was? Is this actually and really true? I wanna tell you today, if you're experiencing that doubt, here's what's incredible. It's that all throughout Jesus's story, what we find is that we have in antiquity, different people who talk about this man, Jesus, who actually lived. Most scholars agree that he actually died and that the grave was empty. Here's what happens though, is that they end up blaming other people for stealing the body. And so we know that, that there was an empty tomb. Not only was there an empty tomb, but the Bible says that Jesus appeared to over 500 of his followers. The 500 of names that you could go back to and that you could say, hey, listen, Tom, you know when Jesus appeared to you? Tell me about that. John, you know when Jesus appeared to you? Tell me about that. And they could have gone and listened to these people testify, tell the story of Jesus. So we have 500, not just 500 random people, but even Jesus' brother, James. Can I tell you, if my sister came to me today and said, listen, Matt, I gotta tell you, I've been hiding from you this whole time. I'm God. I'd be like, no, you're crazy. And just in that same way, what we recognize is James believing in his brother Jesus is evidence that Jesus was 
who he said he was. You see, all of the 11 disciples died deaths believing, trusting, knowing that Jesus was for real. If you're doubting today, I want you to know that there's so many reasons to believe in Jesus, but maybe, maybe you're like the 11 disciples where they were kind of walking around and they expected Jesus to show up in a different way. Maybe they put their own agenda before his. And I think sometimes what happens is I end up putting my agenda before God's. I start to say, well, God, if you were really real, then you would have healed my grandmother. God, if you were really real, then I wouldn't be dealing with the struggles with finances and depression that I am right now. God, if you were really real, that person never would have hurt me the way that they did. God, where were you in my most difficult season? Maybe you relate with the 11 disciples and maybe it was your agenda before his and God is saying, listen, my kingdom is not of this world. Finally, maybe you relate with those two disciples on the road to Emmaus that I think there are some times that we go through life and it just feels like God might not be there. We're saying, God, I, I went through hardship. Where were you? And what God says is I was here the whole time. Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus walking with them the whole time. They just didn't recognize him. Jesus was there for you the whole time. So today we're called to make a choice to choose faith. I know throughout this trilogy, I've had to lay aside my thoughts of who I thought Jesus was. I've had to lay thoughts aside my ideas of what I thought Jesus would come to do and humble myself to receive Jesus for who he truly was. So in just a moment, we're gonna receive the Lord's Supper. If you wanna make sure that those elements are around you, if you wanna get some juice and get your bread. And as we're preparing for that, what we need to recognize is that we're called to worship Jesus for who he is, not for who we wish he would be. Jesus isn't a political figure. Jesus isn't a battering ram that we use for the people around us. Jesus isn't even a blonde haired, blue eyed guy that we think he is on some of these paintings. Jesus is the risen son of God. He's the leader of those who will say yes to new life, following him to resurrection. As we partake in communion, every one of us is going to choose faith in a new way because we can respond to what God is doing today. Maybe today you need to choose faith because you understand that maybe you've heard about this account of Jesus, but you've never actually put your faith and trust in him. Maybe today you need to choose faith because you fashioned a Jesus after your own thoughts and desires rather than choosing him for who he was. Or maybe you're gonna choose faith today because you thought that God wasn't there, but Jesus was there the whole time. It was in the breaking of bread when Jesus revealed himself to those disciples on the road to Emmaus, an incredible reflection back to the Lord's Supper before Jesus was crucified that he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you so that he's saying that we could be new in our relationship with God. And in this moment, as we partake in communion together, we are choosing faith. If you're listening, if you haven't yet given your life to Christ today, now is the time. Jesus says that those who believe in him will be something called born 
again. That means that you die to your old way of life. You give up the old way of autonomy and self-reliance and we begin to say yes to a new creator life, a new life following the leadership of Jesus as the new person that we are following after, understanding that he's the one who connects us with God. If you wanna make that decision today, in just a moment, we're gonna have a prayer come up on the screen and this is your moment to pray that prayer. Don't delay, don't wait. God wants relationship with you. He gave everything, his greatest son, that he might have relationship with you. Don't wait, now is the day. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are so grateful for the way that you've poured yourself out that we might have relationship with you. God, I can't believe that you have done what you've done, that you've given your son so that we might be able to spend eternity with the God of the universe, that you are establishing a kingdom here and now. And Father, we wanna be a part of it. God, I pray for anybody who hasn't given their life to you yet today, that today would be this moment. And so if that's you, then I would love for you to pray this prayer after me. God, I recognize I was created for a relationship with you. I know I've sinned, but I believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And I commit to follow him all the days of my life. May I be born again in you. And if you prayed that prayer, we wanna celebrate with you in just a moment. But God, we are so grateful for our time together today, for Easter, for resurrection, that we don't have to live a life of death, but we get to live a life renewed with you. And we are so grateful. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Well, all across our living rooms, we are going to partake in the Lord's Supper. This is our opportunity to choose faith. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Partake and we're gonna remember in gratitude his gift to us. On that same night, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Drink with gratitude today. today we celebrate the risen Jesus, that we know that he has done great things for us. And so we're so grateful that you joined us for this Easter. Listen, before we go, I want to tell you, if you gave your life to Christ today, if you wanted to be born again, we want to celebrate with you. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and write yes in the Facebook comments. We're also going to put a link there that you can fill out a form because we want to follow up with you and celebrate with you. We believe that this is your moment and we wanna celebrate welcoming you into the family of God, the followers of Jesus. The other thing is if you have not yet been baptized, maybe you're choosing faith today and you haven't been baptized yet. Maybe this is the first time or maybe you've chosen and you haven't been baptized as a public display. We're so excited to let you know that the second week we come back to weekly services in real life and in person, we're going to the lake and we're doing a baptism service movement style. I cannot wait. And if you want to be baptized today, we want to see you baptized. In the links at the bottom, you can go ahead and fill that out so that you can be baptized, believing and showing that Jesus is Lord of your life, that you've been resurrected and raised to life with him. Well, we're so grateful that you've been a part of this Easter trilogy. I know that I've grown and I hope that you've grown in your faith and understanding in what Jesus did for us. We love what God is doing in and through our church. And we hope that you join back to us next week as we continue to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus.
I love you so much, Movement Church. It's been the greatest privilege and honor to be able to give this Easter message in your home. And I believe that the best is yet to come.